another episode of Sleep Whispers. I'm Harris, and this is my curious little podcast of whispered ramblings and whispered readings, which I hope will help you to relax and fall asleep. This is episode number 223, and specifically, it's a Whisperpedia episode about the life of pirates, meaning the classic seafaring, swashbuckling, skull and bones, flag-bearing type. If you are a new listener, then welcome to my little whispers. Each week, I rotate through one of six types of episodes to calm those overactive squirrels in your brain that may be keeping you awake. These episodes include story time episodes, trivia time episodes, chat episodes, batch episodes, out episodes, and tonight you'll hear a Whisperpedia episode, which means I've selected an interesting Wikipedia article to read to you. If you peek in the show notes or go to sleepwhispers.com, you'll find some helpful links to further calm, and tranquilize your pesky brain squirrels, such as links to 250 more episodes of Sleep Whispers, below perfect headphones for sleeping, and a link to my current t-shirt giveaway, which you can still enter until October 16, 2020. Alright, why did I choose the life of pirates for tonight's Whisperpedia? It was inspired by my listener Monica, and here's what she initially suggested. How about a Whisperpedia episode that involves the Thousand Islands? Related topics could be Castle, Heart Island, The War of 1812, and Smuggling. I thought this was a great suggestion and all that sounded really interesting. So I went to the Wikipedia page about the Thousand Islands. And the first thing I did was look for info about smuggling, which probably says something about my dark psyche. I don't know. I didn't find anything about smuggling on that page. And at that moment it was too late. The, the seed had been planted and I was having thoughts about smuggling, ocean bandits, and pirates. And that led me to a Wikipedia page 
fascinating. Here are some interesting questions I'll address tonight from this page. You can listen to this episode the first time to learn the answers to these questions. Then you can re-listen on other nights and use these questions to help you figure out where you fell asleep. Here they are. Why did people even become pirates? Sure, loot and treasure were some reasons, but there are several other important reasons that you will probably empathize or sympathize with. In some ways, the rise of pirates was a logical result of other problems in the world. Alright, next question. How did people become pirates? <laughs> it, it obviously wasn't by going to IWantToBeAPirate.com and filling up the contact page. Alright, other questions. Why were pirate ships usually small ships? Will I tell you some tales about Blackbeard? The answer is yes. Besides gold, food, and alcohol, what else did pirates plunder? And there was actually a really good variety to their loot. How did pirates divide up the loot they seized? Well, it depended. Treasures were divided one way, and food and alcohol were divided another way. And you'll learn about that. Was life on most pirate ships full of anarchy? This may surprise you, but the answer is a very strong no. And you'll hear all about democracy, rank, structure, discipline, codes of civility, and even brotherhood on these ships. Were there pirate women? Yes. And I'll tell you about famous pirate women. And I'll finish with telling you about the detailed demise of two of the most famous pirates and also what finally brought down the golden age of piracy. Now, this article didn't mention if pirates truly often had an eye patch. <laughs> I know, big bummer. But here's an idea. If you have two eye patches kicking around your house right now for Halloween costumes or whatever, you could use them as a sleep mask. <laughs> okay, I agree. That's a dumb idea. Instead, just get a real sleep mask 
from Mantis Sleep, the sponsor of this episode. Their sleep masks will put you in total darkness. Visualize two super soft foam eye cups, sort of like small donuts, that are held lightly over your eyes by a breathable and adjustable headband. These eye cups block 100% of light without putting any pressure on your sensitive eyelids or your gossamer and fragile eyelashes. My wife and I both tried one and we were amazed at the complete darkness and the gentle comfort. They even have different styles like slim masks, cool masks, warm masks, aroma masks, and weighted masks. To get 10% off your order, just go to mantasleep.com and use the code WHISPERS. That's 10% off by going to mantasleep.com and using the code WHISPERS. And for your ease, I put the discount code and a link to the Mantasleep website in the show notes of this episode. Okay, let's begin tonight's Whisperpedia. The following are select sections and details from the Wikipedia article titled Piracy in the Atlantic World. This article focuses on piracy that occurred between 1650 to 1726 in the regions around the Atlantic Ocean. This first section will be about reasons become a pirate. An important factor of turning to piracy is one's social class. Pirates typically came from the lowest social classes. They were just men that saw piracy as a lucrative opportunity in which they had little to lose. These dispossessed proletarians sought the wealth they needed to live, and also an escape from the dreadful working conditions they had to endure. Piracy also represented a counterculture that attracted the working class. Living outside the society that impressed them presented an ability to attain liberty at sea. As pirates, Men could organize a social world apart from the authoritarian environment of mercantilism and imperial order and use it to attack that authority's property. Another reason that piracy may have appealed to some is that the pirate ship freed them from the strict hierarchy and command structure often enforced with violence found in the Navy and on merchant vessels. 
scarcity of food on Navy or merchant vessels might have been one of the main reasons some sailors turned to pirating. Overall, pirates were a little better off than those who worked on merchant or naval ships because food was superior, pay was higher, shifts were shorter, and the crew's powers of decision-making was greater. Still, others may have become pirates so they could practice their preferred or natural sexuality, which was not freely allowed in the homelands. Becoming a pirate offered a choice of other occupations for African Americans that could improve their conditions. Africans and African Americans, both free and enslaved, were numerous and active on pirate vessels. Some black pirates were escaped slaves, so boarding a pirate vessel became a way to escape to the Atlantic North undetected. The next section is about the methods to become a pirate. Mutiny was common on long voyages, and often discipline was brutal if captains heard discussions of revolt. Temptations to turn pirate centered on the opportunities for employment and profit, and therefore was a result of when the war ceased, sailors faced either remaining idle or making smaller wages, or ultimately turn pirate. Other mutineers were privateer crews who became frustrated by the lack of booty or even became greedy or were just unhappy with their terms. These temptations for mutiny grew from an array of resistances against such concentrated authority and the sailors developed an understanding of the importance of equality. However, only one-third of all mutinies at sea led to piracy. The prospect of sufficient gain may influence a sailor. Piracy could pay extremely well, sometimes even better than privateering. A pirate could enjoy every penny of the ship's ill-gotten booty. Impressment was another method to becoming a pirate. Impressment refers to the coercion of a sailor into joining a crew, either by a navy or by a rogue crew of pirates. Though prevalent throughout the Royal Navy, it was also implemented by Atlantic pirates maintain a healthy number of crew members. In both instances, the practice brought with it rampant desertion and lowered morale, which was especially true in the case of the British Royal Navy, some of whom even went on to join pirate crews. Because of the naturally dangerous life of a pirate, 
impressment was an evil necessity of 18th century marine time life. Pirate ships would often impress those who had skills that were deemed to be beneficial for the running of a successful ship. When Blackbeard captured the French frigate La Concorde and renamed her Queen Anne's Revenge, he forced the three surgeons on board, carpenters and a cook, to remain with his pirate crew. The next section is about the pirate ships. Pirates didn't have the luxury of building their ships. Their ships were acquired. As a result, a pirate captain had to be on the lookout for a vessel that would serve his purpose and procure that ship without harming it in such a way as to make it unfit for service. Small vessels made up the bulk of the pirate fleet in the West Indies and the Atlantic. Among the favored were the single-mass sloops and schooners. Small vessels had shallow drafts and could hide among sandbanks, creeks, and estuaries where larger ships couldn't hide. The smaller vessels also had a speed advantage over shorter distances than the larger ships of the age. For all the advantages of a small ship, there were drawbacks that could sway captains to look for larger vessels. A sloop or a ship of similar size couldn't carry a large enough crew to take on bigger prizes by boarding and couldn't carry enough firepower to force submission or fight it out with larger foes. A small ship was also limited in the amount of cargo it could carry. In terms of firepower, anything the size of a sloop would not carry more than 14 guns, with the French sloops carrying 6 guns or less. Successful pirate crews would capture or buy a small ship to begin with, and then trade up to larger ones. When a ship was captured, it had to be converted into a vessel suitable for the pirates' needs. This meant knocking down cabin walls and lowering the forecastle to create a flush deck, allowing greater utilization of deck space in engagements and storage of armaments. Any unnecessary decorations or structures would be stripped off the ship, and as many guns as possible were added. But what was left when they were finished was a slick, armed-to-the-teeth ship with as much thought to speed and efficiency as possible. The next section is about pirate theft and pirate loot. 
the pirate's characteristic loot included various ship's cargo-like tobacco. The most sought-after prize that pirates wanted to capture was unquestionably a ship, an ocean vessel that pirates could convert to suit their own needs, or just plunder to better their current ship. Pirates would scrape a captured ship for guns, masts, rope, and other supplies that could repair or improve their current vessel. Ships in the Atlantic were affected greatly as pirates captured, plundered, and burned hundreds of merchant ships with valuable cargo. However, the goal of the pirate was to rob the ship without fighting or blood loss. They also had to overcome the lost potential of hidden loot. Two examples of loss could come when a captured ship's crew destroyed booty to prevent the pirates from taking it, or when a crew would hide valuables to keep them out of pirate hands. Pirate theft was not only to gain money. Papers with information, like the route of government authorities, with a larger booty were also important. Once an item was found, a question of its worth and how to distribute it came next. Clothing, like any useful tangible good when captured as booty, would be distributed out. This meant that pirates of the early 18th century and prior much of the same clothing as any sailors. If an object was indivisible, then the pirates would sell the object or auction it off, and the profits would then be divided. One's share of the plunder was directly proportionate to a crewman's job aboard the ship and was outlined in the ship's articles. If a pirate were to take more than his share, or hide in times of war, or was dishonest with the crew, he risked being deposited somewhere unpleasant and full of hardships. next section is about pirate government and pirate rank. Pirates were outlaw sailors, but that doesn't mean they didn't have their own form of government aboard their ships. Ranks found on ordinary vessels of the 17th and 18th century were also found on pirate ships. They were a necessary part of working together efficiently to survive the perils of the seas. Pirate captains were democratically elected 
by the entire crew and could be removed for not performing at the level that was expected or for overstepping their bounds of authority. The pirate captain did have absolute command when pursuing a vessel or in military engagements, but otherwise he was another member of the crew. To check the power of the captain even further, the crew would elect a quartermaster to make sure the men received the necessary rations, equal distribution of the booty, adjudicate crew member conflicts, and administer punishment. A pirate captain could not take any action without the support of the quartermaster. Other ranks include the boatswain, master, gunner, doctor, and carpenter. The regular crewmen held the most power on the pirate ship in the council, from which all important decisions were made, and every pirate was given a vote. The cramped and claustrophobic living at sea could have created a hostile environment, but it didn't. While on the ship, the pirates maintained a multicultural, multiracial, and multinational social order. This new social order established a profound sense of community among the men. They consistently showed solidarity for each other and developed strong feelings of group loyalty. The next section is about pirate food and alcohol. Food and alcohol were split equally, unlike booty, which was usually given in higher proportions to officers. Bread, butter, cheese, and meat were items that were considered luxuries by many low-level mariners, but these were items that a pirate would look forward to as often as possible. Pirates would often use trickery to get their food and alcohol. For instance, Pirate Captain George Lothar used deception, pretending to be a friendly merchantman, came aboard a fellow merchant ship to extend customary greetings. His crew secretly inspected the cargo and found items of interest. Once making their intentions known to the boarded crew, they ended up taking 30 casks of brandy and five hogshead of wine, among other goods. Pirates might hope to supplement their meager diets with fish they caught or other food acquired from coastal lands, such as turtle, birds, and shellfish. When food was scarce, a rationing system may be put in place similar to legal sailors. 
In some cases, the only items that were requested of the looted victim from pirates was food and drink. Water was essential, but it was difficult to keep it usable for a very long time. However, alcohol, like beer, and especially wines, would keep much longer. There are numerous cases where pirates were too drunk to capture ships, defend their own ships, negotiate for prisoner exchanges, control crews, prevent mutinies, and sometimes even too drunk to just navigate. Blackbeard, after one prolonged drinking bout, and while uproariously laughing, accidentally shot his mate in the knee. The next section is about pirate women. Two famous pirate women are Anne Bonny and Mary Reed. Anne Bonny, after meeting Calico Jack Rackham, came aboard his ship and gave him the necessary votes he needed to be elected captain. Anne was then elected second in command she became the true leader of the ship and even took the captain's residence away from Calico. As a leader, she designed her attacks with cunning and fantasy, which allowed her to escape unarmed from possible battles through duplicity and a good measure of theater. Mary Reed was less harsh spontaneous than her counterpart, Bonnie. Mary was also admired for her virtue and sense of justice. Both Mary Reed and Bonnie dressed as women aboard the ship, but would change into trousers for battle. These women were accepted by the crew due to their management ability navigational skills, and by their continued perseverance to outperform the rest of the crew. Bonnie and Reed were independently established as fierce, swashbuckling women and were defined as genuine pirates in every sense. This last section is about the end of the pirate golden era. It was not until the Treaty of Utrecht was signed in 1713, settling the war with France, that Britain could make a serious attempt to deploy its navy against piracy. By 1718, the Royal Navy was refit for action against the pirates, and with third fourth, and fifth-rate warships, armed with some 70-plus guns, it was more firepower than any pirate ship of the time could have withstood. The pirates were no match for naval squadrons of this strength, 
that the only reason piracy had been so successful was because the British government had not put this level of effort into hunting pirates before. Two well-known naval actions against pirates are the successful destructions of Blackbeard and the pirate Bartholomew Roberts. In 1718, off the coast of North Carolina, Blackbeard's ship was at anchor and surprised by Lieutenant Maynard of the Royal Navy. Maynard and Blackbeard engaged each other with small arms and cannon until the ships were close enough to board. Maynard boarded the pirate ship to fight Blackbeard, and the notorious pirate eventually fell. Blackbeard's demise became the stuff of legend and was used by the Royal Navy in its propaganda campaign in eliminating piracy. In 1721, the infamous pirate Captain Roberts was cornered off the coast of Africa by a Captain Ogle in HMS Swallow, a powerful 50-gun warship. Pirate Roberts was converting a group of friendships that he had captured for his own use when the Swallow sailed up to engage. Roberts would fight Ogle despite being outmanned and outgunned, and he fell during the battle. With arguably the most famous pirates of the time gone, and the American coast and Caribbean swarming with the Royal Navy and privateers hired by governors of the American colonies. Piracy was systematically hunted to near extinction. This ended the golden age of pirates. This concludes tonight's Whisperpedia episode. I hope you are deeply relaxed, or even better, deeply asleep. Sleep well.